Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. With all due respect, I reject your theory completely. But you know what? There needs to be some backlash to this. This would be disastrous. There really has to be a better way. And I think the biggest question here is, what the hell is going on? The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Move for present. Get in the race. Will he run? And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. So Eric Bilstead, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Right, yesterday afternoon, he sent out a note saying that they had four tickets to last night's Brewers game. And note came out at one thirty, and and I, I didn't claim them, but by three o'clock, I, I walked up to uh, Brenda's desk and I said, "Do you still mm-hmm. have those tickets?" And she said, "Yeah, nobody's claimed them, so I'll take them because um, I have a very, very dear friend. She's been a dear friend of mine for a long, long time, and she's a huge Cardinals fan." And she grew up in extreme southwestern Illinois, okay. you know, much closer to St. Louis sure, than yeah, Chicago. Yeah. So, you know, she'd been on me. Well, are we going to go see a game? So I, I I text her quick. She's a big-time lawyer down in Racine, lives in Whitefish Bay. And I said, Jenny, you know, I've got a couple tickets. Do you want to go? And I fully expect her to say, I can't go on a couple hours' notice. She said, no, I'll leave work right now. I'll go. And my wife, Fran, wanted to go. And my buddy, Evan, even though we're going tonight, um, you know, <laughs> And tomorrow, I, I'm doing that know your numbers thing. Um, so I'm going to be there three days in a row. So John McCure is doing it tonight. So yeah. and I'm doing it tomorrow. But so okay, so the four of us go go to the game. Now it was an early start, so we had to scoot. So we get there. The game first pitch is about five after six. We we get there like ten after six. So just as we're sitting down, Cardinals have the bases loaded, score two runs. Okay, not not that big a deal. It's only two runs. They'll come back, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we we kind of sit down, and then I, I'm still I'm trying to decide what I, we haven't had dinner or anything. I'm trying to decide, you know, what I, what I want to eat to dinner. And then the second inning rolls around. <laughs> Here we six go. Six runs. Gio Gonzalez gets tuned up. Uh, it looked like me out there on the mound, candidly. And it, so next thing you know, it's eight to nothing, and then the game is pretty much over. You um, know what? Outside of that inning, wasn't a bad game. Yeah, Custer said <laughs> it would have been a great. It would have been a great journey, except for all those Indians. Yeah, that's yeah. so. It was, but yeah, outside of that inning where they scored eight runs. Um, so actually, I sent out two tweets. If you follow me at at Jeff Wagner at, at Jeff Wagner six twenty on Twitter, one is a picture of Jenny and Fran and my buddy Evan and I were sitting there, and the note says the Brewers are down nine to two in the fifth. If Rogers throws a touchdown pass, they're right back in it. Right. Whoops, wrong sport. Then two minutes, and an hour later was. Brewers now trail 11-2. to All we need is for Giannis to toss in three three-pointers, and we're back in it. Oops, wrong sport again. It was mm. it was pretty ugly. But I'm going back there tonight, and I'm going to be cheering John McCure on in the middle of the fourth inning when he does the no-yards numbers thing. Yeah, so. And I'll be doing that tomorrow as well. So it's all right, I don't think this is going to be the Brewers' year, but if we're fans, you know, you go and you, you root them on, right? Yes, I'm all happy right. you're going back. Here is the other thing I will say. In contrast to the Chicago Cubs fans who I think – Chicago Cubs fans, individually, you may be the nicest person in the world. Collectively, you you get two or more of you together, and unfortunately, I I think you're just jerks. Um, Cardinals fans – I would say the stadium was – 40% 40% Cardinals fans, a lot of maybe red, more. There, there were a lot of Cardinals. And in the section we were sitting, it was probably 80-20 Cardinals fans. But in contrast to the Cubs fans, Cardinals fans, I've always said this, number one, they travel well, and number two, they're incredibly nice. 
I mean, I just, it was, you know, we were talking to all the different Cardinals fans, and, and even though, you know, the Brewers are getting stomped, they, they were, they, they're, they're knowledgeable baseball fans, and I'm not saying maybe there weren't some people there that were jerks, but I didn't see any. I mean, it was just, it was a complete contrast to when the Cubs are in town, and so I, I that's what I was saying to people. I said, all right, you know, it's, you, you guys are much, much better than the Cubs fans, so... Yeah, it's, so, so they I got that going. For right, us, they, so. they got that right. Exactly. So for all the Cardinals fans that are there, welcome to Milwaukee. Spend your money. We're glad to see you, and I'm sure I'll see a lot of you tonight and tomorrow afternoon as well. Go Brewers! What can How you do? About, uh, yeah, lose a couple of games, please, Cardinals. Fans. Well, that that would be it. But of course, you know when 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 you give up eight runs in the first inning and a third, it, it's sort of kind of downhill from from there. But. Um, Oh, oh well. All right. We're fans anyway. So I'll be there this tonight. And again, if you're out at the game tomorrow, I'm going to be doing that do your numbers thing. Got a script and everything for that. All right. Let us get started. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I, I've got I've got a link to this advertisement, which is causing all this controversy at the University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee. Um, UWM posts advertisements ads encouraging people to take certain classes or get involved in certain in certain um, different disciplines so here's the deal they came out with a program to try to encourage people to enroll in criminal justice all right so what they did is they decided to use a number of different models who were going to um, I, again, try to encourage people to, to do this. So the, the language of the ad says this. Take a course you'll never forget. Criminal Justice 110. Learn about, and then it lists a whole bunch of, of criminal justice topics that you would learn about. And actually, it, it sounds kind of interesting. And they're, again, they're encouraging people to enroll in this particular class and maybe try to take a career in criminal justice. They as part of the advertising, they have a number of different models, um, and the, the models come from a number of different races and ethnicities. And they're all standing there, and they're young people, and they're smiling, So, and they're carrying books and stuff. So where is the controversy? Well, one of, one of the ads features a young African-American woman who's pictured smiling, holding the, the books. And she's just one of several people that's used in this ad, but, but she's one. She's smiling, she's holding the books. So where is the controversy? Well, around her neck, like a scarf, is a, it appears to be like crime tape, you know, like do not cross the, the tape that police put up, you know, at crime scenes and stuff. Now, this is an ad for a criminal justice class. She's got, uh, again, a scarf, or at least it appears to be a scarf, but it's made out of tape. By the way, if you go on Amazon, you will see a number of scarves that they actually sell that cost between 20 and $70 that are scarves that actually resemble the police tape. They're yellow with the black thing saying, police line, do not cross. So anyhow, you have the photo of the young African-American criminal justice student. She's got crime tape wrapped around her neck. And again, the link is, this is a criminal justice class. UWM 
has now apologized and pulled the photo. They say that um, they realize that some people, apparently after this was published, some people said they found it offensive and demanded that the university remove it. Um, Somebody says, hey, you know, I, I can't believe that they even put this up there without somebody thinking about this. Why were they demanding to remove it? Some said it was racially offensive because it featured the crime tape and an African-American woman. Now, again, the African-American woman, its she's smiling, it's a student, she's holding books. But some said it was racially offensive because it featured the crime tape and an African-American woman. A person of color with crime tape around their neck, it makes you think. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let us tee this up. Is, all right, yes, They have a number of different people, models who appear in the ad, and they are of different ethnicities and genders. All right. In this case, it's an African-American woman. She's clearly a student. She's carrying the books. She's smiling and she's got the crime tape around her neck, um, just like presumably the other models have as well. Is this racially insensitive? Is it racially offensive or political correctness run amok. And again, if you want to see a photograph of the ad, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. The folks at UWM have managed to get their undies in a bundle over this issue. They are falling all over themselves, apologizing. Do they need to? We discuss in just a moment. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. One of our textures said, would it have been different if the person was white? And, and yes, I think the answer is yes, because there were several students that posed in these different ads, including like white males. Here's what happened. They decided we want to use a prop to try to create interest and try to get people's attention, which is what you're trying to do with an ad. So they took that yellow police tape and they wrapped it around the the different students who posed. Everybody was cool with that because, again, they're trying to promote criminal justice. You wrap the, the do not cross police tape around people's necks. And again, it's something that people, it makes you look. That's what their effort was. It's an effort to add interest to the photos. My God, have we gotten to this point where people, again, wake up every morning looking for something to be offended about? This isn't like the woman is wearing a a KKK hood. It's not like there's a noose around her neck. It is a piece of police tape, which is... I guess, I mean, you you see it whenever there is a crime scene, whether it is in a white neighborhood or a brown neighborhood or a black neighborhood, the police come up, they put the crime tape up there. How anybody could reasonably be offended by this is absolutely beyond me. Now, I understand the term I just used was reasonably be offended because, again, there's the politically correct and there's the perpetually offended. The folks who wake up on a daily basis looking for something to be bothered about And then, again, they run out and they get their, you know, undies in a bundle. How in the world does using this this prop, how does that, as they say at UWM, well, we're so sorry, we didn't want to offend or diminish the impact of violence in our community. No, it's telling you 
that if you enroll in Criminal Justice 110, you're going to learn about all sorts of crime issues, and maybe it's going to prepare you for a career in law enforcement, and maybe you know, you're going to be working with that police tape. If you want to be offended about something, I mean, then go to, go to Amazon. And like I say, if you put in an Amazon scarf and you put in police tape, what you're going to find is all sorts of scarves that come up that are made to look like the police tape. Now, I, you know, whether you want to wear them or not is a whole different story. But this idea that, oh, we're offended and this is terrible. And my goodness gracious, you know, you, you've got an African-American model who's smiling and happy and she's got this around her neck. Oh, we're going to be offended. At some point in time, you want to say to these folks, for the love of God, get yourself a life. There are so many real issues when it comes to racism in this world that when you're constantly obsessed about trying to find something that's going to get you worked up and the trivialities, you trivialize the real racism that's there. Now, what's disappointing to me about this is that, you know, UWM. Then, of course, just that being the cowards that they are in the administration, they immediately just fold up and, and roll over. Oh, we're sorry. We apologize if somebody got offended by this instead of simply saying, all right, look, it's an ad. It was trying to get people's attention. We don't think that there's anything offensive about it. The students that came up with this idea don't think there's anything offensive about it. And if you're bothered by it, well, you know, too bad. <laughs> just just too bad. You know, we're sorry, but for goodness sakes, you know, you need to get over yourself. Um, Jeff, there's a small handful of self-described activists in Milwaukee behind all this nonsense. They spend their days looking for ways to be offended. They and their followers are the biggest hypocrites imaginable. Well, I think there's an element of that. Jeff, if the young lady thought it was offensive, she could have opted out of wearing the crime tape. Seems like she was okay. I don't understand why the university is making such a big deal of it. The university is making such a big deal about it because... In today's day and age, all you need is that one squeaky wheel, the one or two people to say, well, I don't know that I think that's appropriate. That might be trivializing this or that or the other thing. And then you have administrators that are completely and totally gutless when it comes to, uh, again, standing up to the perpetually offended and the politically correct. Now, if it's different causes, they have no trouble doing that. But but anything, oh my gosh, well, maybe, you know, maybe somebody somewhere might be offended by this. So, you know, we have to retreat. Shame on UWM. Just absolutely shame on UWM for giving in to the perpetually offended. At some point in time, I think collectively, we need to stand up and say, you know, sorry you're offended, but it's just not a reasonable type of thing. And, you know, just move on. My guess is the people that are offended by it probably weren't interested in enrolling in the criminal justice class anyways. UWM gives in, once again, your tax dollars at work. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. It has come to this. Can you be too smart? And if you are too smart, well, should you be tossed out of your school? 
here is the deal. Bill de Blasio, he's running for he he's going to be one of the next Democrats to drop out. He's the um, he's the mayor of the city of New York. His campaign has gotten absolutely no traction. He's starting to get more and more desperate. Now, why you thought as the mayor of New York, that would be a good launching point for the Democrat nomination. I don't know. But but anyhow, de Blasio is getting all sorts of heat from all sorts from all sides. People on the left are upset with him because of something going on with the New York Police Department. People on the right are upset with him because, well, he's a big lefty. Here's the latest story. In New York, the school system is separated. You have you, you have the, the regular public school system. And then what they do is they have programs for what they call gifted students. They, they do they do this testing and it, it actually starts when kids get into kindergarten and they, they see, OK, who are the really, really who are the smart kids? Who are the high achievers? And then they, they constantly review this over years. But they've got two programs. You've got the regular schools. And then you've got the schools for the high achievers. You know, there's some special, there's specialty high schools, for example. And, and the effect of this is it's almost a two-tiered kind of system. Now, you, you can move back and forth. If you've got somebody that's in the high achieving thing and they're not able to do the work, well, they can get shifted over to the more mainstream school. And similarly, if it turns out that there's somebody in one of the more mainstream schools that really is not being challenged, they can move back and forth. So there is some degree of movement. But what they do in New York, and this is the largest school system in the in the um, nation, 1.1 million students, is they put you on, on these different tracks. Well, one of the things that they are finding out is the gifted track, it tends to attract a lot more of two types of people, white kids, and Asian kids, whereas the more the regular track tends to attract more black kids. So for whatever reasons, whether it's cultural or, or whatever, um, whether it's family environment, what they're finding is you almost have these kind of two two-tiered systems. Now, you've, you've got white and Asian kids that are in the regular system, and you've got black kids that are in the, the gifted thing, but they're finding that there's a disproportionate number of white and Asian kids in the gifted thing. And there's percentage-wise, a disproportionate number of African-American children in the regular, more mainstream educational system. So there's a number of ways that you could approach this, including, all right, what what can we do to perhaps figure out, you know, what, why, how can, what can we do to perhaps get more African-American kids into the gifted system? Now, that would be one thing you could think of. Here's what Bill de Blasio's New York has decided to do. The proposal is eliminate, eliminate, get rid of all the gifted programs in New York. In other words, just have one, we're not tracking people, we're not having honor, and you know, think about it, you know, you've got a high school perhaps that has honors classes. All right, so what if you look at your school's honor class and you say, oh, there, there's too many of this type of person or that type of person, there's not enough of this type of person in the honors class. So our solution is, let's get rid of the honors class. In New York, the recommended solution is let's get rid of the gifted programs because, again, they've got too many white kids and too many Asian kids in them. So let's get rid of them. 
414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, this is being done in the interest, it's being recommended in the interest of diversity. You know, we don't want to have this kind of like two-tiered system that's set up, even though it's not based on race. It's based on achievement and skills and things like that. But they're trying to take race into account. Is the fact that you have a disproportionate number of white and Asian kids that are in this gifted program, is that a reason to scrap it? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again... The theory is, you know, should we do away with honors classes in high school if we decide that demographically there's too many of this type of kid or that type of kid in the honors classes uh, as opposed to the regular classes? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you get rid of the gifted program in the name of diversity? 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I admit this stuff just makes my head explode. Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, uh, Jeff, my head is exploding (laughs) also. Uh, If you're black, white, Asian, or Indian, if they're gifted, you should be able to get in there. And uh, there should be no question about it. And the analogy is like having the kids softball game where you don't no score. Everybody wins. I don't get it. Right. You see, you know, to me... If if the concern is, gee, we've got too many white and Asian kids that are qualifying for this gifted program, instead of doing away with the gifted program, wouldn't you think, hey, let's try to figure out why we don't have more black or Hispanic kids that are doing well enough to qualify? What is going on here? Why why aren't they able to qualify? And, and then then work at it from that end as opposed to simply saying we're going to get rid of the we're going to get rid of the program for the high achievers makes no sense to me parental guidance yeah no thanks well i mean i i said it makes no sense to me but it it does make sense it's because we we don't want to tackle the tough task you know we don't want to figure out what the underlying cause is as to why for example the african american kids they're not doing as well. And, and again, New York, they, they do all sorts of screenings, and it's a constant screening. It's in elementary school. It's in preschool. It's in middle school. It's in high school. So, I mean, there is some movement back and forth, but they're always looking for the, the kids who, you know, show that excellence, who want to be part of the gifted program. I mean, to, to simply to say you want to talk about the most invidious type of discrimination gee you're too smart you know we're, we're looking at these programs and we're finding that there, there's too many asian kids which by the way last time i checked you know asians still were a, a minority group there's too many asian kids that are qualifying for this program let's do away with the program maybe try to figure out why more hispanic kids aren't aren't coming to school prepared or whatever, and then deal with it from that perspective. Here's the other reality of what is going to happen here. And and they're doing this in the name of, well, integration. You know, this is all in the name of diversity. You know, we we're too concerned that our gifted program has too many white kids in it. It's got too many Asian kids in it. And and so we want to be more diverse. We want to force this integration. Here's the real world effect of this. If you take away the gifted program for the kids who are achieving things, I think you're going to make the system worse because that is going to give further incentive to the parents of the kids who are in the gifted program 
the white kids and the Asian kids who are apparently disproportionately in the uh, program, it's going to give their parents an added incentive to pull them out of the system and either relocate outside of New York or find some sort of private or parochial school option. Because I have to tell you, if it's, if it's my kid and my kid is in the and I want we all want our kids to get the best education possible. And if my child is in that gifted program and all of a sudden they say, no, nope, we're going to end this. Um, we're going to end the high achievement. And we're what we're going to do is we're going to mix them in with the general population. The effect of which will be, of course, to to dumb down the education that my kid gets. My reaction is going to be sorry. I mean, to the extent it is possible, my kid isn't going back to that school. I'm going to find another option for them. And to the extent, again, that the people in the gifted program, if it's disproportionately white kids or disproportionately Asian kids, those parents are going to pull them out of the system, which is going to leave, you know, again, yes, you're going to have the, the one school system, but it's still not going to be doing a great job of educating anybody, apparently, and it's not going to effectively be more diverse because people are going to be running. Bottom line is we need to celebrate success and achievement in this country, and I, I have no problem with diversity and things like that, but as long as you have a system that's objectively set up to decide, okay, we're going to, we're going to have the honors classes, Look, I, I, I understand. I did okay in school. I wasn't an honors math student. Okay, some people have really great minds for calculus and trigonometry and stuff like that. My, my mind worked in different ways. I, I could get by in math classes up to a certain point, advanced calculus, my first year in college, second semester. But, but other than that, I mean, I, I was able to do okay. I wasn't an honors math student. All right. So what what's the effect of that? Is it to say to all the other kids who were honors math students, many of whom went on to be like doctors and aerospace engineers? One of my high school classmates was an aerospace engineer. Somebody else works at the Center for Disease Control. I mean, these these really brilliant math brainiacs is the answer. Well, gee, you know, Jeff and some of his buddies weren't good enough um, there to to be in the honors math class. So, in the interest of diversity, we we were going to do away with the honors math class. That's nuts. Reward achievement, reward excellence. That's what we should be trying to do. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. So glad to have you with us. Let's see. When it comes to being a pervert, my advice would be don't try this at home. All right. So you got you intrigued there, right, Eric Bilstadt? Where are we going with this, huh? <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Well, okay. My, my, my friend and colleague, John McCure, who does the, the show at 3 o'clock. No, John's not a pervert. I didn't mean that. But, you know, he used to do TV before he did radio. And he was part of the I-Team investigation thing that they did at today's TMJ4. And McCure got a lot of attention um, because he would do the, these these pervert stings, you know, and it would be the things where uh, what would happen is the they would create – it varied a little bit, but you know they would create a a a profile like an internet profile um, where it would say, "Hey, I'm a 14 year old boy, or I'm a 13 year old girl, or whatever," and you'd post the stuff, and then 
amazingly, you would have all these perverts that would respond and it, things would, you know, kind of ratchet up. And inevitably what happened is they would set up these meetings and the 46-year-old guy from Racine who's married with three kids thinking he's meeting a 14-year-old girl shows up at a hotel room somewhere. And it's not a hotel. It's not a 14-year-old girl. It's the I-team investigators with the cameras. And there's John McCure going, what were you thinking? Remember those? Oh, I remember those. All right. So now, as a general rule, when they did it on TV, they did it in conjunction with law enforcement. You know, there, there was they, they notified cops that this was going on and there were cops on the scene mm-hmm. and things like that. So it wasn't completely freewheeling. At least that's my recollection as to how, to jo- how they did it at today's TMJ4. It's not always that way. But the, the story now is, and this the the state attorney general Josh Call, he he goes public with this yesterday. There is a group that is out there who who's doing essentially the same thing that that the media has been doing. There, it's kind of based. NBC used to have a show to catch a predator where they would do the, the same sort of stuff. They'd pretend to be the 14-year-old boy or the 14-year-old girl or whatever. The group is called Predator Hunters. And what they do is is they'll, they'll go into chat rooms and they'll, again, pretend to be some juvenile. And what will happen is you get all these perverts that decide to, to strike up conversations. Eric, as an aside, I've never... See, I just don't understand. If you're that 46-year-old guy in Racine, married with the three kids, and and you're in this chat room and you think it's a 14-year-old boy or girl or, or whatever that you're going to meet in a parking lot or hotel room, and you're driving to that, I, I guess – I just I don't understand the whole risk reward thing because <laughs> you know what, you know under and that's good perhaps because I'm thinking what do you think is going to happen here I mm. mean of the thousand outcomes that that could possibly occur everyone is bad yeah, none is good and, right, right. There, there's none that that is good I mean none is good and yet these people routinely you know show up so. Obviously, there is a degree of a sickness that is out there. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyhow, this predator hunters, this this is what they do, and they confront people. So you get the guy that that again's been talking dirty in the chat room to what he thinks is a fourteen year old girl or whatever, and they set up the meetings, and he shows up, and instead of the fourteen year old girl, there's these characters there, and they've got t- they've got cameras, and they're filming this, and they confront him. What they then do is they take the information and they they pass it on to law enforcement. And, you know, law enforcement can then decide, you know, whether they want to, you know, bring about a criminal prosecution or or not. So yesterday you've got the attorney general saying we we don't want people to do this. People should not be participating in vigilante actions against suspected online child predators. In other words, the message is leave this to the professionals, because if you do this, well, there's a couple things that could happen. First of all, you, you run the risk that the person who shows up is going to end up being violent or something like this, so that this could escalate. Secondly, since you're not professional law enforcement, a lot of times the way you've gone about this isn't going to lead to a prosecutable case. You want to say something? Well, no, yeah. so it actually hurts the cause. Right. I mean, that's what they're saying. They're saying, you know, you, you, you can turn this all over, but, you know, chances are pretty good that it, it's not going to be something that we're actually going to use in a prosecution because, you know, of, of, you know, the way law enforcement proceeds is a different one. 
the guy from Predator Hunter says, no, look, we're, we're not going to stop doing this because, I mean, here, here's the bottom line. We've, we're active in three states. It's growing. He says we've confronted about 50 guys. 50 guys who thought they were meeting underage girls for sex around Wisconsin. So, you know, it, it tells you for anybody that has teenage kids, you know, if you're not monitoring what they're doing on the Internet, you better wake the heck up. OK, so that's the number it says 50 he says we're not vigilante. If you were a vigilante, you'd beat the hell out of these people and be done with it. So that's not what we do. We turn over our chat logs and our video to the police so that they can use this. And then they post the video of these confrontations. So they're exposing them. And their attitude is, look. You know, there's a lot of this stuff that's out there. Law enforcement obviously isn't getting these people. So, yeah, we, we confront them. You know, we expose them. We're not vigilantes. We're not taking the law into our own hand. We're trying, we're trying to bring attention to this issue, and we're trying to help people catch them. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Should these groups knock it off? The attorney general saying you're, you're not helping, you're putting yourself at risk, something really bad can happen about this. The groups are saying, look, we're, we're trying to identify these people. We've already identified 50 people that are out there that law enforcement hasn't gotten. This is our mission. We're, you know, if you go ahead and prosecute them, that, that's fine, but we're going to confront them. We're going to let them know what, that we're out there. And yes, we're going to publicize these encounters. Are these people vigilantes that need to stop? Or are they providing a public service, and should they be encouraged? 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I will tell you where I come down on this, and we'll discuss in just a moment. But, I mean, is this vigilantism, is this just a variation of what TV has been doing for quite a while? Is this something that should be left to the professionals? And given the fact if this group says they've already caught 50 people in Wisconsin alone doing this, what does it say about the professionals and the job they're doing catching the creeps? 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should this group knock it off? We discuss in just a moment. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Here's a text. Jeff, they're vigilantes, but I don't know if they need to stop. I have two young daughters, and I don't want this happening to them. What they're telling you and what they're not telling you is two different things. That Of that 50, how many were arrested and convicted? Are they using legal tactics or wasting their time? If all this is doing is scaring these people straight for a little while, and they're still walking the street, then you have solved nothing. Let's talk to Danny in West Dallas. Danny, you're on WTMJ. Hey, how you doing, Jeff? Real well, thank you. Okay, are these people vigilantes? Should they stop? Okay, vigilantes, no, uh, only because just like what you said before, you know, they're not beating up the guys and leaving them alone, but they should stop. Now, I've seen that NBC thing that To Catch a Predator right. show, you know, that you talked about before, and they used to do that where they weren't in conjunction with the police. They just let them go. And after a while, then the police finally got involved with it, I have no problem with the police involvement in that sort of thing, but doing it alone, you're no different than those guys that dress as Batman going around reporting crime. Mm-hmm. And it's a nice idea, but the only problem is if something happens, you know, where you get the crap beaten out of you, right. well, right. now what? Right, or alternative, right, no, thanks to go, or, yeah, I, it, 
I get here. Here's where I come down on this. I don't think these folks are bad guys, and I don't know that I think the attorney general is right to use the term vigilantes because, to me, just like to you, Danny, and thanks for the call. Vigilantism applies implies people that are taking justice into their own hands. They're you know it's the it's the you know the you know you're, the, the Punisher thing from the old Marvel comic books. You're you know you're walking around the street finding okay these are bad guys. The criminal justice system has failed. Here I'm going to shoot them or I'm going to beat them up or, or whatever. To me that's vigilantism. Now having said all that, I, I think what needs to happen here is I, I think this group would be a lot more effective if they would work with law enforcement. For example, you're, you're, you're in these chat rooms. I mean, and, and they're, you're posing as the 14-year-old girl or the 14-year-old boy, and you've got some pervert, you know, wherever, that's, you know, trying to, you know, hook up with the 14-year-old, et cetera, et cetera. All right, I, I think at that point in time, rather than going ahead and setting up your own sting operation, that's where you work with local law enforcement. That's where you go to the district attorney's office and say, look, you know, we've got these three guys in Canote, uh, you know, pick up in Janesville. We got these three guys in Janesville that are, are here trying to set up meetings with this person that we've created on the Internet. Here's the chat logs. Here's what's going on. They want to meet them. All right, let's look. We're, we're giving this to you. Set this up and let's catch them. And you do whatever you have to do to make sure you're doing it in a fashion where the person can be prosecuted. My guess is the group is experiencing a degree of frustration because my guess is sometimes they turn the information over to law enforcement and it just gets kind of pushed off to the side. I, I think what needs to happen, and maybe I'm just saying this, maybe there's a district attorney in in Wisconsin who you know isn't aggressively pursuing this. Well, you know if that's the case, well, I mean then then maybe you use that you know as a, as a political weapon. You say, all right, look, you know we've got a district attorney here who apparently doesn't care about you know these predators, and maybe that means at the next election maybe you need a new district attorney. To me, I I, I applaud what this group is doing as a in concept. To carry it out, though, I, I think what I want to do is I want to get these predators off the streets. And the way you get them off the streets is by working with law enforcement to make sure that when the 45-year-old guy shows up at the hotel room thinking he's going to have a liaison with that 16-year-old girl, that instead of just catching him on videotape and scaring him, you know, what you're going to do is, is you catch him. And there, there's a police officer that's there, or there's a couple of police officers that's there, and next thing you know, he's in handcuffs, and you're taking him down to the local jail, and is going to be criminally charged. Do it, do it right. Work in conjunction with law enforcement. Do I think it's fair to call them vigilantes? No, but if we want to get them off the street, all right. I, I appreciate, I appreciate that there's people out there. Law enforcement is strapped. There's lots of stuff going on, and if you have these groups that are able to find people that are trolling the internet looking for 14 year old girls or boys, and Lord knows there's apparently a lot of them out there, fine. Cooperate with law enforcement. Turn over the names. Turn over the chats offer to assist and demand that law enforcement follow up on it. I think that that's a fair thing, but you don't need to be the one in the hotel room. You don't need to be the one in the parking lot because there are all sorts of liability issues. Plus, if you've done it in a way that's not going to lead to a criminal prosecution, what have you really gained? Steve in Kenosha. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Uh, good afternoon, Joe. Hi, Steve. 
Uh, well, I I agree. They're not they're not vigilantes, of course. You because know, their their definition of vigilante, like you said, is you know taking you know, justice into their own hands, right? Right, taking justice. But you, know, you I do see it as a as a benefit. I mean, a benefit to law enforcement. But again, they if they're going to do it, they need to be uh, trained. They need to be trained by the professionals, by mm-hmm. the police department, or uh, or some agency that is recognized by. By law, uh, by the government, so that when they they do this, one again, they know what they're walking into. Like you said, you, you don't know what kind of person they're actually going to be getting involved with. But you also want to make sure that they they don't leave themselves open for any kind of entrapment. Claim. Right. Well, I mean, see, to me, the model, Steve, would be something like a, a neighborhood watch. You know, they're, you're you're not deputized, but you're you know you're on the lookout for. You, you may, maybe you're even you know driving around. Maybe you're patrolling your neighborhood. You see something suspicious. You know you're not the one that's going to intervene. You call the police. I mean, and to me that would be the the model. You're there to kind of uh, assist with people. And because I mean I, I don't think I don't think the police want to necessarily deputize these folks. But if you've got relevant information, share it and then say, okay, where was the follow up on this? Um, because you want to get prosecutable cases. Exactly. Yeah. They. You know. God bless them for doing it. I mean, yeah. I've got a, a seven-year-old granddaughter and another one on the way. Uh, you know, I don't want those people around. Right. Uh, but and if, and if the law enforcement is is too overloaded to where they can't devote enough time to, you know, a situation like this, granted, gets you know, get a group in there that's willing to do it. But by God, by all means, get them trained. Yeah, right. And, and, they have to cease and desist until they get trained. Right. And and have them. I'm with you. No, thanks for calling. And have them. Uh, again, turn it over to the professionals and let the professional, you know, if you want to, again, you know, we're in these chat rooms, we've created this thing, you know, we've got these 32 different people that are trying to set up rendezvous with what they think are 15-year-old girls, fine, turn it over to the police, and then I think you have every right to say to the police, what did you do with this? Do you realize that we have this huge problem that's out there? But but don't try it at home. Let the people who know what they're doing do something about this. And if they don't, then you get to hold them accountable. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, if, if you give your information to some district attorney who decides, well, you know, no, we're, we're not going to pursue the, these 15 people that are out there. Well, then I think you have every right to be upset and go public with that and say, look, we turned over all this information and district attorney X or district attorney Y did nothing with it. I mean, I think that that's, that's a fair criticism too. But don't go out to the hotel rooms. Don't go out to the parking lots. Let the professionals handle it. I guess the other, going back to where we started this conversation, though, I I just, I continue to find it staggering that there are so many people out there, and this is the scary underside of the Internet. I mean, like I say, this group claims they've caught 50 people in the last couple years. My guess is that is the tip of the iceberg, That and that's the scary underbelly of the Internet, that you have this anonymity, that you have these people that are out there trolling for this different types of stuff, and even knowing even knowing that probably nothing too good is going to come of this, that they're still in, still the perverts are still, in, still willing to risk everything because, I don't know, there, there might really be a 15-year-old girl on the other end of that computer keyboard. Just, wow. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back, so very glad to have you with us. So, Gru, do I return this call? During the, the break, I, my, my phone 
rings, got the buzzer there, and it's, there's a voicemail. Okay, so I'm thinking, okay, what, what's the voicemail? And again, it, it's one of these sort of disembodied voices saying something about Amazon security, nearest office, Columbus, Ohio, press one. <laughs> so do, do you think I, it's got that callback number and the press one. Do you, you think I do that? No. No, nah, me neither. I'll, I'll, I'll take my chances. Whatever exactly this is, I'll, I'll take my chances on that. But, you know, as we talk about frequently, I mean, they, these are, people get these calls all the time. And as evidenced by what happened in Milwaukee a couple of weeks ago, where the feds indicted these two guys who were part of this big operation based out of India, where they would make these robocalls to people and people would give thousands and thousands of dollars because they thought their social security was going to be cut off or they thought different benefits were going to be cut off or they thought their grandson was really in some prison in Bangladesh or whatever. And and they give these people thousands and thousands of dollars. It's a huge problem that's out there. So I guess I'm going to take my chances. I don't think I'm going to push that. I'm not going to push that callback number. And I don't know. If I have a problem with Amazon security somewhere down the line, I will live with it. All right. I got a new car. Well, gosh, when my car is uh, is a 2017. And, and I drive cars a lot. Before that, my car was 20, a 2010 vehicle. And I will admit that I started having gadget envy because my, my 2010 vehicle – it didn't have any of the bells and whistles that newer cars had. It it didn't have heated seats. It didn't have, I don't know, any of the, the fancy things that I, I didn't think I needed, but candidly, that I kind of like. I love the blind spot monitors. I mean, my car's got one of those things where, you know, you've got the two side windows, and if you're going to shift lanes and there's somebody that's in your blind spot, you know, it it, it flashes and then it, like, beeps at you. I, I, I love all that stuff. My car has the um, the, the, road, the, the road construct, the... Um, the ability to like it straightens you out if you if you put it on and you're going to have the lane lane deviation that's what they call it the lane deviation thing so that if you're you know starting to to wander and you're getting ready to cross the center line it it tells that I mean I I just I just love all these bells and whistles do I need them I don't know but but I like them one of the things that I I'm not sure whether I like or not is the fact that I've got this I've got the the automatic emergency braking system. And I've never had to use this, but it's the sensors, the way it operates, and you find this on a lot of the newer cars. The sensors will tell you if you're getting ready to, like, hit a car. If you're going to rear-end a car or something, it will take over and it will slam on the brakes. I've never had that happen. What I have had happen on a couple occasions is, you know, the, the brake light, the, the thing will come on. It won't actually hit the brakes, but before it hits the brakes, it, it shows you this warning saying brake, you know, which I guess is to remind you that you should slow down or else you're going to plow into the car unless the automatic braking function kicks in. I will say on a handful of occasions, just a handful of occasions, that flashing warning, you need to brake, has flashed and there hasn't been anything that I was about to hit. It's like, okay, why is this coming on? But it immediately goes off, and I have not had any problems other than occasionally, and I'm just going to say occasionally, but it, the word is rarely. Just rarely, every once in a while it'll flash, and it's just it's a false warning. I bring this up because this automatic braking system has become – well, the source of a lot of consumer complaints in cars. 
big story in the Wall Street Journal today. As automatic brakes become common in cars, so do driver complaints. Apparently, these automatic, the emergency braking systems, they're sold and promoted as a safety feature, don't always work as intended, and at times activate when there is no risk of a crash, including sometimes people be driving down the highway, nothing around them, and all of a sudden the car will start to break, which can you know freak people out quite a bit. Um, the Center for Auto Safety, which is one of the big consumer groups that tries to keep auto manufacturers um, legit, and in way of disclosure, one of my oldest and dearest friends started his legal career at the Center for Auto Safety. Um, you know, they they believe, for example, that one particular type of vehicle, these Nissan Rogues, they believe that, that they have a, a defect because there's been 87 complaints of false braking activations. In other words, you know, boom, the, the brakes activate when they shouldn't have, which really, you know, mess people up. They think that um, certain road conditions might end up causing that. Low-hanging tra- traffic lights, bridges, railroad crossings, creating a problem on the 2017 and 2018 Nissan Rogue. So, I, I mean, have I seen that flash a couple times on my car? Yes. Have I seen them, again, actually slam on the brakes and stop my car? No. But I admit that that would be that would be freaky if it did. But in general, these different bells and whistles that are there, I I have to admit, I, I like them. I love the rear view camera. I didn't think I would necessarily love the rear view camera, but I love the rear view camera. And I find myself, do I still look over my shoulder? Sure. But I use that camera a lot. I use the automatic parking stuff. Makes parallel parking a heck of a lot easier. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I admit that there can be problems with some of the technology. Again, this automatic braking issue being kind of one of them. That said, I think the new electronics that they put on the newer cars, I think it makes cars a lot safer. I think it makes cars a lot, they make collectively, cars a lot easier to drive. And candidly, I I think I would have trouble going back. Not to say that I couldn't do it, but if all of a sudden all these different devices that are there to make driving easy and and safer, if they disappeared, I I think that I would miss them a lot. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. For those of you who have one of the newer model cars that have these different types of bells and whistles, are, are they worth it? Do they make the driving experience better? Do you think it makes it safer? Could you go back to the days before we had all this stuff? Or alternatively, are these just expensive distractions? 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And for me, like I say, my... My two favorites, I would think, the rearview camera, I use a lot, and I love those blind spot detectors. I, I just do. And I'll tell you, you know, truth to be told... They, they probably, they have probably saved me one or two times when maybe I would have been inclined to switch lanes when I shouldn't have. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, these newfangled devices on these cars, unnecessary, pains in the butts, or, boy, how did we live without these? 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> 
so glad to have you with us. Bunch of texts. We'll get the calls in just a moment. Minute four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. We have a new uh, Jeff. We have a new expedition with all that stuff on it. I love the rearview camera and the side collision warning. Um, yes, that's it, Jeff. I think it's unnecessary. All those bells and whistles. It just pay- makes people lazy, more dependent. I'd rather stay sharp and do my own driving. Um, well, does it make you a little lazier? You know, maybe, but at the same time. I just think it's a, I mean, it makes it, it does, it makes it easier. And I think it's just, again, it's a secondary sort of thing. Should you look over your shoulder to make sure there's nobody in your blind spot before you change lanes? Absolutely. But at the same time, if you've got this thing that's going to show you and just start to beep at you or whatever, if there's somebody in that blind spot, that's a backup thing. Jeff, the adaptive cruise control should be on every vehicle. Keeps your speed or matches the car in front of you, so you're always keeping a safe following distance. Yeah, for people who might not have that, let's say you... You set your cruise control at 73. You're going down the freeway, and you're a little bit heavier traffic, and you're you're getting closer to the car in front of you. What adaptive cruise control does is it reduces your speed to maintain the the limit. And then when you get behind the you get past the car that's driving slower, it increases it again. Tom in Greenfield. Tom, you're in WTMJ. Hello. How you doing, there, Jeff? Good. What I do you do think? Like, I do like those side markers and the backup camera and. And the heated seats and um, <laughs> yeah. some of the other stuff that's uh, some of the other uh, what do you call it creature comforts uh, that the, that they've come along with in the f- last few years. But I, but uh, you know, as as you just said, you got you still got to look around and everything else. You still got to you know do that right. and everything else. I I still still trying to find out how they, how to use all this other stuff with the gas saving thing, uh, <laughs> your GPS on the car and. Yeah, I, all all, all, the, all this other stuff that the, all these other uh, perks and benefits that you got on these cars, my, even though my car ain't uh, it's a few years older, uh, it's 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 fun. Yeah, well, I I think it's it's interesting. I am sure that that even though I know how a lot of the stuff works, I am sure that I am not coming anywhere close to utilizing the full potential of all the stuff that's on this particular vehicle. Although, grew, I am very proud of myself. I I. And God bless the Internet. Okay, we were talking about, like, these guys using the Internet to try to, like, en- enlist the en- trap 14-year-old girls and stuff. So here's the deal. We have, both my wife's car and mine, we have Sirius Satellite Radio. I'm a, I'm a radio junkie. Listen to WTMJ a lot, but, you know, there's times that I'm listening to Satellite Radio for different things. So she comes in Sunday night and says, the Satellite Radio isn't working. So I immediately think, okay, well, sometimes it needs to be refreshed, and there's a way you can go. You can go to their website, and then they can they'll send a signal. So I go out to the car, I start the car up, and and I'm getting this error message that says zero 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 radio ID, which you, you you're you know you're supposed to like set it to channel one, and then they set the the refresh thing. Well, I can't set it to channel one. It's like there's it's not reading what the the radio in the car is and i'm thinking this is not good and uh and so then i go onto the internet all right always a dangerous thing and i put this in and i'm immediately forwarded to all these different like sites and there's people that have had the problem which makes me feel good on the one hand that i'm not alone but then i start reading it oh i had this problem it cost me six hundred dollars they had to replace the radio i went to this person they couldn't figure it out i went to this dealer they couldn't figure it out this seems to be an ongoing problem and i'm going through this going this is not what i need in my life does she really need satellite radio but on the other hand i'm trying so finally i get to one that says what happens is just like your computer occasionally screws up it, it all it needs to do is be rebooted 
And I'm like, okay, well, I'm thinking then how do you how do you reboot the satellite radio and the thing? And then then it says there's an instruction. It says that the off on button, you hold it down for like five seconds, and you're going to get this screen that says, "Do you want to reboot?" And then you hit yes, and it'll do it. So yesterday afternoon, I, I'm Fran comes home. I say I want to get into the car. We pull the thing out, and I reboot it. And yes, it's all set. It it works. And so I was kind of a hero. So thanks for that, for working out. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Again, I, these, these different devices, and I understand how it's really, really easy to end up getting, like, gadget envy on things like this. But the truth of the matter is... These are the safety devices that are there. When stuff goes wrong, can it create problems? Yeah, it could. But um, I tell you, it, it's, it makes, I think, driving easier. Uh, Jeff, here's the um, – Jeff, I have a, a 2004 car, crank windows, bench seats. I love it. I get in my wife's new car. I have trouble turning on the radio. Well, there is an element of that where you can get kind of um, too, too much – uh, Stephen Kenosha says, Jeff, I like the cooling seats. Those are really cool. And I don't, I don't have that. But the bottom line of all this is you, you've got all these features that are out there. It's more stuff to break. There's no question about that. And sometimes when stuff goes wrong, it can be a huge problem. Like if you've got that automatic braking system and all of a sudden it's throwing the brakes, it's stopping your car on the freeway. Yes, that can be a huge, huge problem. But in general, the more this technology is out there, the more I'm willing to embrace it. And I wouldn't have necessarily said that five years ago, but I'm starting to come around. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Sometimes you just got to move on. Now, over the last 10 years, think about the Packers. Who would you say are the two faces of the Packers franchise? First two names that come to mind. Uh, in the past 10 years. Over the last 10 years, yeah. Well, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Donald Driver. You would say Donald Driver. Okay, I would say Aaron Rodgers and uh, Clay Matthews. But, you know, I mean, you know, because, I mean, you, you look at the, 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 the Sunday night football. I mean, when they when they do the thing, it's always Clay Matthews that's there with the, the long blonde hair that's flowing. Driver's not a bad answer either. But, I mean, I, I would argue that the two faces of the franchise, Aaron Rodgers and Clay Matthews. Well, Clay Matthews is not with the Packers anymore. Clay Matthews signed as a free agent with the Los Angeles Rams. Um, so, you know, and Rams arguably have a chance to go you know, back to the Super Bowl and stuff. The interesting development today is he does this interview with, with NFL.com, and he he's talking about his deal with his days with the Packers. Now, his contract expired after last year, so he was an unrestricted free agent. What Matthews is saying is that he not only wanted to come back to the Packers, but he was willing to take less money to come back to the Packers. He said, look, I, you know, we, we lived in Green Bay. I, I wanted to stay there. I thought I would finish my career there. And I was, th- this is what I was planning to do. He said, but I, I, th- th- they told me, they, they flat out didn't want me. Um, his, what he says is, and he's, he's not bitter or anything. He says, look, we'd had some negotiations through the latter part of last year. My agent was talking to the general manager. It had been a while um, since some people, he says, would say an older, I would say an accomplished veteran pass rusher had hit the market. Um, so, 
you know, we, we said, we kind of agreed, okay, we're going to hit the market. We'll see what the value is. And the Packers said, that's fine. You know, you go, you know, see what other teams are willing to pay you, and then maybe we'll figure something out. And Matthew says, I always felt like I would probably end up back in Green Bay. We just needed to figure out what the going rate was. He said, but that wasn't the case. He says that uh, the day before the free agent period, he's he's driving to Lambeau Field for a workout, and he says he gets a call from the Packers general manager. And he said, I picked it up, and the guy said, um, hey, there's no money for you. I want to thank you. I want to thank you for being you know such a great player for all these years, but uh, that's it. <laughs> so he said, I, I wanted to come back, and we were prepared to take less money. They flat told me that they had no interest in me coming back. You know, and the story goes on to talk about how, you know, Matthews was, was a team player where, you know, he started out as an outside linebacker, and because of injuries and inefficiencies and stuff, they moved him in to play inside linebacker a lot of the times, which might have, you know, hurt his his numbers in terms of sacking the quarterback and stuff. And it's also true that, you know, the last few years, um, Matthews has, in fact, been injured. All right, you know, I I typically leave the sports to our friends right down the hallway, but I'm kind of intrigued by this as a Packers fan. One of the big mistakes that general managers, teams occasionally make, is they, they stay with players too long. You know, you, you fall in love with a particular player and, you know, the, the player's best days are behind them. And then you, you keep them on the, the team because, again, you like them because of their contributions or whatever. It's clear in this particular case you had Clay Matthews. Again, I would say together with Aaron Rodgers, the face of the Packer franchise, the Packers, they, they, they didn't play. They, they made it clear they didn't want him. They were ready to move on. They didn't try to negotiate. They did not try to, you know, bring him on even in a reduced role, and they, they gave him no choice but to leave. All right, our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, this is a conversation to have before the start of the season. Did the Packers make a mistake in not trying to retain, arguably, you know, one of their best players, perhaps their best defensive player, over the course of the last decade. He was drafted in 2009, and I think certainly was the face of the defense over the course of the last decade. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. On top of that, I think you could argue that from the perspective of, of fan favorites, um, Clay Matthews was not only one of the most recognizable faces, he was one of the most popular Packer players. I mean, people people loved the way he played, even though his numbers were going down. He was 33 years old. The Packers made the decision to move on. They did nothing, apparently, at least according to Clay Matthews, they did nothing to keep him. He wanted to stay. He would have taken less money to stay. They decided to move on. Did they do the right thing? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess time will, will tell. And the Packers' defense clearly had some issues. I'm surprised, though, they just cut him loose. And, and if Matthews is telling the truth, it is. A, I think it's kind of a little disappointing. Wouldn't you have liked to have seen them say, look, Clay, we want to bring you back. It's going to be in kind of a reduced role because, you know, we, we need to upgrade. And you've been hurt a lot. But wouldn't you have thought that they would have tried to bring him back? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Drew is lining up the calls. We discuss just one segment. 414-799-1620. Matthew says, I really wanted to come back to Green Bay. They, they just told me they weren't interested. We discuss in a moment.
Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 414-799-1620. Here's a text, Jeff. They absolutely did. That is the Packers. What they should have done. Clay Matthews would have been a spot player. His best days are clearly behind him. Mark texts, I love the Packers, but I've always said that one of the disappointments, we have done this with several other players, including Jordy Nelson. They do so much for our franchise, and then we just toss them out a year or two before they want to retire. Um, Another text, Jeff, releasing an aging, often injured, and ineffective edge rusher is the only thing to do. Clay Matthews' last three years were abysmal. He says that he would take a pay cut, but how much of a pay cut? Now, that's a fair question. The Packers just said, apparently, they didn't even negotiate. They said, we've made a decision. We're going to move on. If they had negotiated, could they make a deal? You know, who knows? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Bill in Plymouth. Hi, Bill. You're on WTMJ. Yeah, hi. Uh, I love the Packers before I say anything, but I think it's way too early to tell whether it was the right thing to do or not. We won't know until the end of the year. Uh, my gut tells me that new coach, new general manager, they wanted new people, and he won't be the, there'll be a lot more surprises over the next year. People are going to be gone just because the new coach, the new general manager want their people in there. You see it all the time in business. Mm-hmm. The same thing. Well, you know, football is a tough business. That's why I I tell you, I never begrudge these football players getting as much money as they possibly can when they can get it because it, it's a tough business. Clay Matthews is 33 years old, and apparently the Packers thought that he was too old to contribute at his level and didn't want to spend any money on it. Can you imagine that? You're 33 years old, and they're telling you, we don't think you can contribute at least to be paid to for what you're going to want. Right. Yeah, no, it's a tough business. Thanks for call. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Larry in Brookfield. Larry, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Did the Packers make a mistake? Should they have tried to keep Clay Matthews? You know, I, I, I'm not sure exactly, but, you know, they seem to have done the same thing with Jordy Nelson. Um, and he just, like your one of your texters said, they didn't. Uh, he would have taken less money. Uh, and they just basically cut ties. Yeah. He, he was a very productive person, you know, as so many other Packers were, and he was a fan favorite, and then, boom, you know, I know it's a business, but it, it he would have, I think, Jordy still had another year in well, yeah, he went off and what, he played for, what, Oakland, I think. And then, you know, kind of, then his season ended. Yeah. You look back on last year and you think, okay, if you could have, if you could have gotten him, Jordy Nelson, at the right price, you know, um, maybe a veteran's minimum or something, could he have contributed at least a little bit to have helped out? And then he retires as a Packer. I mean, I, I guess, you know, the Packers would say there's no room for sentiment in the business, I, I guess, but I don't know. Fans might not always yeah. agree. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for the call. 414-799-1620. thought this was interesting because I, I kind of figured at the end of last year that Matthews was probably not going to be coming back simply because he had been hurt a, a lot. But at the same time, the guy was a team player. And, they, you know, they said, all right, we're, we want you to move to a less glamorous position. We're going to put you as an inside linebacker. And I, I thought he played pretty well there. I mean, you know, 33 years old, that's really old for a linebacker in the NFL. Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? Real well, thank you. Did they make a mistake? Yeah. Okay. I think so. And for numerous reasons. Number one, A, he was willing to take a pay cut. 
Yeah, we don't know how much, but he said he well, would have given yeah, him a but discount. Regardless, yeah. I mean, in these days, I mean, nobody you know takes pay cuts, right? And second of all, he was a locker room, uh, I guess, positive as it yep. were, which is you know it's an intangible. I mean, there's, there's there's a lot of things that you can't place a value on, right? Um, and I think he brought a presence and and uh, you know was it right? I, I don't know. I mean, it just it just it feel it doesn't it doesn't feel right. And yeah. I think he and the fact that he misses being here. Yeah. That's that's the part that that really it's it's kind of like when Reggie White came. You know, it's whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's one of those things where you know you can't. How do you place a value on that? Well, you know, it, it's interesting that you say that, Dave, because one of the big complaints I when when we were growing up, I mean, you you would have players that spent their entire careers with with teams. Jim Gantner for the Brewers, um, right. Robin Yount for the Brewers, and, and one of the yeah. things that people talk about now is how that doesn't happen. How in the age of free agency and people moving around, it's rare to have a player that starts with one team and has a long career and finishes with that team. Matthews was a guy who would have liked to have been a Packer, it sounds like, all his life. And, you know, you kind of wonder, should they, even if he was not what he was before, just from a fan perspective, could he have contributed? Could he have been a positive influence on the team? I would have liked to. I'm going to hate to see him in an L.A. Rams uniform. I just just am. (laughs) Well, it's just, you know, the whole thing is, is, like I said, it's those intangibles that you can't, you know, you can't. How do you put a value on some of right. that? I mean, that that's like right. everything. I mean, look at what Jordy Nelson. I mean, yep. he came back for what a day, and then wanted yeah. to retire as a Packer. Yeah. No. Thanks. And, and, and again, I mean, look, there's no question. The Packers needed to overhaul their defense, and they went out and they spent a whole bunch of money getting outside rushers that are supposedly going to make a difference. And I don't, I don't necessarily quibble with that. I was looking. Matthew signed a two-year, nine million dollar contract, including like five and a half million dollars guaranteed. So that's. You know, would he have taken? I don't know how much less money he would have taken. You know, is that a bunch of money? Yes. In the NFL, though, I mean, it's not like it's not like you know Aaron Rodgers type of of money or anything like that. Uh, Dave in Appleton. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Well, I think that you know Clay got his wish. He wanted to retire as a Packer. Unfortunately, he did it two years ago. <laughs> Ooh, ba bum bump bump bump. <laughs> well, I mean, seriously, he was. Not the guy he used. I love him and, you know, root for him and hope he gets $5 million a year for the next two years. But just like Jordy Nelson, it was the same thing. He only played three games after he left the Packers. Yeah. He was first. Yep. You so know, you think Matthews that, you think that it's... He had to yeah. play with a club on his hand. He had a hamstring. His toe hurt. Yeah. It was always something. Yeah. And that's what, I mean, thanks for calling. That, that's what... You know, I mean, that that's the business side of this. And, again, for everybody who thinks that players, regardless of what the sport is, are overpaid, that, I mean, the, the truth of the matter is you're, you're not paid on last year. You're paid on, you know, what can you do for me now or what are you going to be able to do in the future? And, and a lot of the really smart general managers and coaches will tell you, you know, the biggest mistakes you make are hanging with people too long. Having said all that, I do go back to my basic point. It's just maybe because he was such the face of the franchise. And, and I don't, I don't know what a kind of a hometown discount they could have got. I, I don't, and I, I don't know where his value is. Do I think he could have still been productive? Yeah. Do I wish, you know, I, partly because I've got two number 52 
Matthews jersey sitting in my closet. Do I do I wish that, you know, they would have found a way to keep him? Yeah, I get it's a business, but it's just not going to look right watching him play for the Los Angeles Rams. This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So glad to have you with us. I have a question. Why is this happening? Let us assume these numbers are accurate. Let me share them with you. For the last 21 years, NBC News and the Wall Street Journal have been doing a survey of Americans about their attitudes. Let's assume for the sake of argument that these numbers are accurate. So they've been asking the same questions over the years. First time they did it, 21 years ago. So what's that, 1998. All right, 21 years ago, when they asked how important some things were, here were the numbers. They asked how important patriotism is to you. 21 years ago, 70% of the people who answered, 7 out of 10, said patriotism was important to them. This year, when they asked the question, that was down 9%. Only 61% of the people said that patriotism was important to them. All right. In 1998, when they asked people, how important is religion to you? 62% of the people, 6 out of 10, said religion is important to us. 50% this year. So the number of people who said that religion was important to them dropped over the course of the last two decades from 62% to 50%. So patriotism, down. Importance of religion, down. 21 years ago, when they asked people how important having children was to you, 1998, um, 60% of the people, 6 out of 10, placed a high value of having children. This year, when they asked that question, how important is it to have children? How important is that to you? The number was down to um, 43%. 60% to 43%, a dramatic drop in the importance of children. So a drop in the value and importance of patriotism, a bigger drop in the importance of religion, and a huge drop in the importance of having children. On some of these questions, if you break it out even further and you look at younger people, um, the numbers become even more dramatic. For example, Overall, like I say, with the religion number, about you know, 50% say religion is important. Among people below 38, only, thir- only a third, only 33% say religion is important. So patriotism, the importance of that dropping. Religion dropping. Having kids dropping. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's my question. Why? Let's assume for the sake of argument that these numbers are, are accurate. And, you know, I got to tell you, going with my gut, I, I you know, we, you can quibble about the exact percentages. But, but yeah, I, I think they're accurate. I think people today are less, I don't know if you want to say they're less patriotic, but they're less concerned about the importance of being patriotic. I think people don't view religion in general in their daily lives as being as important as maybe people did 20 years ago. And as far as having kids, that's been a dramatic thing. I mean, that's apparently not important to now, you know, less than half of the people say it's having children is important to them. What is going on here? 
Why do you think this is occurring? 414-799-1620. I don't know that there's a right or wrong answer, but I am genuinely curious as to what you think. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is one of those why questions. We discuss in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WGMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Chandler in St. Francis. Chandler, good afternoon. Oh, good afternoon, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Big fan of the show. Well, thank you for listening. Okay, so so dramatic change in the last 20 years. Nowhere near as many people saying religion is important to them, patriotism is important to them, and having kids is important to them. What's going on? So I'm 27, so I kind of identify with this, and I know I don't speak for everyone. Um, the I think the answer with kids, the easy one, just having kids nowadays are a lot more expensive. I have a lot of friends who are married in, in my age demographic, but they just can't, uh, can't afford them with all the extra expenses that come with, like, um, being someone this age now, uh, home ownership, student loans, car payments, stuff like that. Um, as far as patriotism, I think there's a lot of different media out there. So as opposed to when our parents were kids, just kind of looking where there was like two or three different news, uh, news sources, I think there's so many ways to get mm-hmm. news and get information. Uh, it may not be correct, and I think that kind of skews how people look at this country as compared to other countries or okay. uh, whatever it may be. And I'm, I'm sorry, what was the third one? The uh, the kids, the uh, patriotism, religion. religion. Yeah, so religion for me, it's kind of hard because we, again, my age group grew up in when there was like this huge war in the Middle East and everything, and like you saw ISIS come to power and they kind of fell out of power. And the, to me, it's, it's, it's hard. Uh, I'm not religious myself just because I think there's so many people who fight over religion and whether you're uh, Muslim, mm-hmm. whether, wh- whether you're Christian, whether you're Jewish, whatever it is, and something that's supposed to be like peaceful and loving and bring people together, you see people like fighting about. So that, that's kind of the deterrent for me. Let me ask you this, Chandler. Your, your friends who, in, in your age group, who have aren't having kids right now, do you think there's going to be a point in time where maybe that's going to change? Maybe once they get into their early 30s or whatever and start quote-unquote settling down a little more that that they're going to rethink it where do you think that they just they just don't want kids that uh, anymore I, you know and it, it, it's funny because there's a lot of people who say oh i don't want kids and perspectives change um so i would like to think some of them would turn the other uh the other cheek but i i also know there's a lot more going on uh, mm-hmm. like my wife is medically unable to have children so it just it, right. it's just out of the question for us but like as far as like other people, I think once they, you know, establish themselves a little bit more in this age demographic, yeah, I, I certainly think that that's the next milestone for a lot of people who maybe say they don't want kids, but maybe the better thing is I'm not ready for kids yet, but maybe one day. Right, we'll see. Hey, thanks to Call Chandler. I appreciate your perspective, and I very much appreciate you listening to the show. Lucy in Brookfield. Hi, Lucy. You're on WTMJ. Hi. <clears throat> what do you think? Um, oh, gosh, it's such a complicated topic, because if you look at them individually, I'm sure there's individual reasons, kind of like the last caller pointed out. But I think an overall, and this is something I've noticed because I work with the general public every single day, and something I've noticed over the years of doing this is just this kind of lack of empathy for other people and then compounded on, um, you know, I work in a restaurant, which there's a lot of that younger generation working in, and a lot of they just, they don't care. And if I, I hear the phrase, oh, I don't care, about 55,000 times a day. 
and it's you know I just want to leave now. Oh, I don't care. I don't. I don't want to do that right now. I don't care. Right. And it's it's just this complete lack of empathy for what is going on. And I think we are completely overwhelmed financially. We're overwhelmed by news. We're overwhelmed just in general. And there's this sort of attack from um, you know the CNNs of the world, the big media companies. There's a, attacks on. Uh, those people who do want bigger families, for example, or who are religious, or maybe, um, you know, they may, they, they vilify these, these kind of people. And so I think it's, it's very impactful. And I, I think a lot of that is showing in the declines in people just finding that important in their lives. Well, you know, it is interesting because there was a time where if you, if you had a family that you know had, had six or seven kids, that you, you wouldn't people wouldn't raise their eyebrows about it. Nowadays, you hear families that have four or five kids, and people go, "Boy, that that's that's a lot of kids." There, there's no question that that attitudes that, for whatever reason have, have changed a little bit over the years. You don't you don't hear about too many people like you know former congressman or soon to be former congressman Sean Duffy with eight kids and one more on the way. That that's the right. exception to the rule. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Thanks for the perspective. I appreciate it. I, I mean, how would I answer the why question? I, I think it's a first of all, I, I think it's a, a number of things as to as to the patriotism. I I do think I, I do think and this is it's been going on for a long time. It, it's so it, it's not Barack Obama or Donald Trump or George Bush. I, I do think that there's there's more news sources out there. There's more opinion out there. And as a result, I think we are fragmenting more as a society. And I, I think people are becoming more and more tribal. And, and I say that sincerely, more and more tribal. And so I, I think there's there's more on the left, on the right, and sometimes in the center. This isn't a political commentary. We're just, I, I think, more perhaps disillusioned with the operation of the country. And I think that probably started during the Vietnam War and has probably continued because my guess is, you know, they, they started doing this polling in 1998. My guess is if they had started doing this in 1958, you know, you would have seen that the patriotism number would have probably been 90%, and then it dropped, and then... So I, I think that's just kind of a reflection of us becoming a more cynical society. I, I think the religion number is based on that as as well, and I, I think it's an ongoing problem that organized religion has, is that, that how do you... How do you reach out and how do you speak to younger dem, uh, you know, generations? And the reality is there have been scandals that have involved different churches. And I, I think that's caused some people to be disillusioned. And I know, you know, there's a lot of work on the part of organized religion as they're trying to figure out how to, you know, how do you bring people back and how do you restore the, the faith? in the you know the, the people would would have in that institution and as as far as that the having kids hmm, that that's an interesting one to me as well but I, I i kind of believe those numbers i think and i was trying to get at this when we were talking to chandler i i think part of it is is more of just the delayed thing i i think you know years and years ago there used to be this, this kind of progression, and the idea was you have kids right away, and then what happens is you know you you raise your kids, and so then you know the kids are out of the house and they're ready to be out of the house by the time you're in the fort your forties. I think for a variety of factors, whether it's trying to you know live life or because of financial concerns. I mean, the truth is with student loan debt and financial concerns, you do have people that are. I, I don't think they're not living our parents' lives, but they're kind of 
to delaying him a bit. Okay, I'm I'm going to I, I'm not going to do this at 22. I'm going to maybe I'm going to look at doing this when I'm 25 or 26. My guess is maybe there's people who years ago had kids when they were in their early 20s who you know m- maybe now they're having kids in their late 20s or their early 30s. I mean I, I still think ultimately that's the, you know as as you know people find having children to be you know a form of re- rewarding and satisfying and things like that and and i think maybe those numbers have been skewed but there's no question that this is a reality here's a text jeff Th- these numbers don't surprise me at all i have five young adult children in their 20s all out on their own living in urban areas none of them regularly attends religious services nor anywhere close to getting married nor having children they're all about fun experiences they're living in the now often with groups of peers with whom they live and or work they grew up in a suburb we all regularly attended church they just chose to live differently that's their prerogative um you know though it obviously changes uh jeff um kids are living at home a lot longer than they used to yeah that's kind of the deferred thing um that that's going on jeff i think it boils down to parenting our parents did a better job than we did uh, that's a little um that's a little harsh but i i don't know i just think it's again it's one of these things that's changing. Jeff, the younger generation is often more self-centered. They don't want to give time, attention, money to anything else. Um, I, I don't know if it's a question of self-centered. It's just a question of changing and or maybe delayed priorities. I don't know. I, I just I found this to be fascinating that you saw these changes. I tend to believe the numbers, and, and it is Perhaps a wake-up call to the people involved with organized religion. You know, what What do you do? How do you bring the younger people back into the fold? And, you know, where are the next couple generations of children going to come from if if people nowadays don't view having kids as a priority? Hmm. All right, when we come back, we're going to find out what John and Melissa have on their minds. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner.